In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament reading, this 18th Sunday after Pentecost, is from Isaiah chapter 5. Let me sing about one I love, a song of my loved one about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it, cleared it of stones, planted the finest vines in it, built a watchtower in the middle of it, and cut a wine press into the rock. Then he waited for it to produce grapes, but it produced sour, wild grapes. Now you people living in Jerusalem and you men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What should have been done for my vineyard that I didn't do? When I waited for it to produce grapes, why did it produce sour, wild grapes? And now let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear away its hedge so it will be devoured and tear down its wall so it will be trampled on. I will lay it waste, never to be pruned or hoed. It will grow up in thorns and thorn bushes, and I'll order the clouds not to rain on it. The people of Israel are the vineyard of the Lord of armies, and the men of Judah are the planting he delighted in. He looked for justice and found bloodshed, for righteousness and found cries of distress. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading comes from Philippians chapter 4 or 3. Starting at verse 4. If anyone else thinks he has human anything human to trust, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, a descendant of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew son of Hebrew parents. In regard to the law, a Pharisee, so zealous that I persecuted the church, and according to the law, so righteous, no one could find any fault with me. But any advantage I had, I considered a loss for Christ. Yes, I think it is all a loss, because it is so much better to know Christ Jesus my Lord. For him I have lost everything, and consider it garbage to, in order to win Christ, and to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which comes from keeping the law, but having the righteousness which is through faith in Christ, and which comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, to share his sufferings and be like him in his death, if somehow I may join those who rise from the dead. I don't mean that I have already reached this or am already at the goal, but I eagerly go after it to make it mine because Christ Jesus made me his own. Fellow Christians, I don't think I have it in my hands, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind, reach for what is ahead. And with my eyes on the mark, I go after the heavenly prize to which God has called us in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, 
Listen to another parable. A man who owned property planted a vineyard and put a wall around it, cut a wine press into the rock and built a watchtower. Then he rented it out to workers and left home. When the grapes were getting ripe, he sent his servants to the workers to get his share of the grapes. The workers took his servants and beat one, killed another and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants, this time a larger number, and they treated these the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. When the workers saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and get his inheritance. They took him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those workers? They said to him, He will have those scoundrels die a miserable death and rent the vineyard to other workers who will bring him the grapes when they're ripe. Jesus asked them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done it, and we think it is wonderful. That is why I tell you, God's kingdom will be taken away from you and given to a people who will do its works. Anyone who falls on that stone will be smashed to pieces, but if it falls on anyone, it will scatter him like dust. When the ruling priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they knew he was talking about them. They wanted to grab him, but they were afraid because the people thought he was a prophet. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Our sermon text today is our Old Testament lesson. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you in your sight, O Lord. Amen. My dad was about five or six years old when he woke up in the night to a cold front blowing in outside his home in Texas. It was August, and it had been a dry year. My grandfather had rented some land that year to grow corn. The moon shone brightly so that my father could clearly see events unfolding outside. Looking out the window, my dad could see lots and lots of grasshoppers flying around. My dad doesn't remember the extent of the damage, but he does remember seeing leaves stripped from the stalks. As you can imagine, between the wind and the grasshoppers that, har- that year, the harvest was rather poor. Today, we heard about how the Lord had a poor harvest as well. But unlike the grasshopper swarm on my grandfather's farm or the derecho that hit this summer, the poor harvest wasn't caused by a natural disaster or an invasive species. It wasn't caused by a lack of resources or having too many resources. It wasn't even caused by bad seed or a lack of care. You see, God had a vineyard into which he had put lots of work and care. He picked good land that would allow for water to drain He dug up the ground, cleared out the stones, and planted it with grapevines. He built a watchtower so that he could watch over his vineyard and protect it from thieves and animals. 
He built a wine vat so that he could harvest the grapes and and begin processing them right away from storage into jars to be wine. After all this work and labor, God waited for the grapevines to grow, looking forward to harvesting good grapes. But he received wild grapes, that is, sour grapes. With all the attention and care given to the grapes and growing them, God should have had a great harvest. Why did the vineyard produce sour grapes rather than good grapes? What was the problem? God asks what more he could have done for his vineyard. The question is rhetorical, for the answer is nothing more could have been done. God had provided everything. The soil was good. The location was good. God provided protection from animals and people. He worked the land and cleared the soil. He pruned the vines. He hoed away the briars and thorns. There was enough water and good drainage, but still the harvest was poor. It was sour and not worth anything. Blame falls then on the vineyard. The vineyard produced poor grapes despite its care and upkeep. And this vineyard is none other than the people of Israel. The vineyard is God's people whom he took out of Egypt and planted in the promised land of Cana. The land flowing with milk and honey. Here they had everything they needed. Their needs were amply provided for. They did not want. Yes, God pruned them. He he disciplined and chastised them that they might prove to be more fruitful. But what kind of fruits did they produce? Did they bring forth justice and righteousness? Did they live as his holy and sanctified people, a light to the other nations as they were called to be? No, instead of these fruits, God found them shedding blood. They didn't uphold the law, but breached it. They used the law to work matters to their own advantage. The rich perverted justice so that the poor suffered for their benefit. They killed the poor by crushing them under the weight of their lifestyles and giving them nothing. The poor cried out for help, and none of their neighbors stepped in to help. The only once were there, they came to secure their own interests and their own welfare at the expense and lives of others. So God is going to destroy their walls and let disaster come upon the land. He is going to allow Assyria to come in and later Babylon. And between these two nations, the Israelites will be deported and their cities will be left in ruins. People will die and their pleasant life will be destroyed. They haven't produced a harvest, and so God is going to bring judgment upon them. Now we, as a people and country, should pay great attention to this. For this is how God treated his chosen people, with whom he poured extra care, love, and attention, upholding and building them up. We often recognize the blessings we have here in our own country, and the great gifts that God has bestowed upon us. But have we produced a just and righteous society? There are plenty of calls for justice, and some of these calls are legitimate. Legitimate. Some people do abuse the system and take advantage of government tools to crush others and ruin their lives. 
And while people might argue about some of these cases and situations our country allows, and even to a certain extent supports, the exploitation of babies and the poor for money. The scheme is widely known as abortion. Poor mothers, mothers who have nowhere to turn for help are pushed by society to solve their pregnancy dilemma by killing the child. This atrocity will not go unpunished. God will get justice. He did in Israel. He will get it here too. At least we who have stood against this practice can say we have lived a just and righteous life, right? Sadly, we too have failed to love our neighbor as we should have. Who among us has never hated someone in our hearts? Who among us has never spoken words for the purpose of causing pain and harm to another? Who among us has never sought to improve our position in life by taking advantage of someone else who was hurting or in a difficult situation? Who among us has stood up for the little guy insisting on justice for them and for everyone? When it comes to loving our neighbor, we have all failed in some respect. Our success pales in comparison to our failures. We have fallen short. We have loved ourselves and worked for our own benefit. But our neighbor, well, we've often neglected them. We are like the Israelites. We too are this vineyard. We deserve our places and home to be destroyed and to have our lives ruined. Thus, our Lord calls us to repent. He calls us to see how we live self-centered lives, how we order our lives around ourselves and our own interests. We aren't living as God would have us. We aren't producing the harvest He desires. So repent. Turn away from evil and sin. Stop serving your selfish desires. Turn to the Lord. He is gracious and loving. He doesn't want to destroy his people, but to rescue them. He doesn't want his vineyard ransacked. He loves his vineyard. He has worked tirelessly for it. He sings about it. He has sacrificed for it. Look at what our Lord did. He came in human flesh. He delivered his message himself. The son came into the vineyard to call us to repent. Jesus died for his vineyard. He died acting in love for it. He died for you on the cross. He shed his blood. God gave of himself. And by giving his life, he brought forth a huge harvest of justice and righteousness. Here was the just and righteous one dying on the cross. Here was God producing the fruit we failed to produce. Here was God acting to secure justice and righteousness for his vineyard. And he did just that. God acted out of love and obtained justice and righteousness for you and me. He has cleaned you and purified you. He has made you just and righteous. And since you have been made his, since you are now holy and pure, you can now produce justice and righteousness. Since your life is secured and your future is definite, since your place with God is certain, you don't have to live trying to secure life for yourself. Now you can live for others, seeking their good. You can truly look out for all your neighbors. 
For God has already obtained life for you and given you that new life in baptism and at his table. In Christ Jesus, you have justice for all your wrongs and all the wrongs done to you. In Jesus, all justice is manifested and secured. You no longer have to struggle to obtain things, nor do you have to fulfill your sinful desires. For you have that which is far greater. You have eternal life and the new heavens and earth. You have life with God and the perfection he has established and reestablished in Christ Jesus. You have a home in the eternal vineyard where we shall neither want nor lack. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. All readings prior to the sermon come from an American translation of the Bible.